0: Hi, welcome to the Healthy Moms podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. Today, Katie sits down with clinical nutritionist Krista Arecchio, the founder of thewholejourney.com and Gut Thrive in 5, a digestive and immune healing program that has helped thousands to deal with their gut and digestive issues. Krista hosts a nationally syndicated TV show about health. She is a TEDx speaker and an author of the popular book, Conceive Naturally and Have a Healthy Pregnancy After 30. Krista has helped thousands of patients to use food as medicine to determine the root cause of their issues by addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. In this episode, she offers specific help for fertility and healthy pregnancy. Krista mentions bone broth as part of her protocol, and she and Katie both consume broth daily. Until May 30th, you can get 5% off organic pre-made bone broth from The Brothery, Krista and Katie's recommended bone broth resource, simply by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash broth and using the code wellnessmama5. If you struggle with infertility or gut health issues, Krista has also offered a free copy of her Food as Medicine ebook that includes 180 original recipes. To get a copy of this free resource, join our community at wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. Now, let's join Katie as she talks to clinical nutritionist Krista Arecchio about fertility and how to optimize your body for a healthy
1: pregnancy. Krista, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me, Katie. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, so for this first episode, I know we're going to talk about fertility and optimizing for pregnancy. And I love this topic so much. And it's obviously something kind of near and dear to me since I just had my sixth baby. And there's so much that goes into preparing for pregnancy and then nourishing the body during pregnancy. And then now where I am, which is trying to consume enough healthy fats and everything for breastfeeding. Um, But I can't wait to delve into this with you because you have even written an entire book on the subject of conceiving naturally. So, one thing I love, Most people think of pregnancy as three trimesters. And if you ask most midwives, they'll say four trimesters because you should really be resting and nursing in those three months after pregnancy. But you call it a five trimester approach, which I love. So can you walk us through that? What are the five trimesters and, and how do you handle that approach?
2: Absolutely. And I have to say, I commend you so much for having six healthy pregnancies and all that you've been through is just incredible raising these healthy kids. And so um, we break pregnancy into a five trimester approach. And the first I believe is the most important and that's preconception. That's before the sperm and the egg ever come together. And that's three months or 12 weeks before you conceive. And so the book that we wrote is a fertility book and a pregnancy book, and it was really born, Katie, out of people that just kept coming to me after having a really tough time conceiving. I mean, they had been trying for five years, been trying for six years with no success. Some of them have had multiple rounds of IVF and IUI, and they were kind of at the end of their rope. And so this was kind of necessity as the mother of invention and so really starting to learn and study especially with women that are over 30 or in their late 30s and early 40s that's really where this all started for me as a practitioner to take my practice in that direction is that we have to simultaneously cleanse our bodies and then nourish our bodies in preparation for the journey of pregnancy. And the dads don't get off the hook either because you're developing the quality of the egg and the quality of the sperm months before they ever come together. And so this is really the single best thing that you can do to contribute to your child's genetics in their adult life. And it's a wild thing to think about. But what you choose to eat and consume and what you choose to do in this preparation period really not only affects your children, but it also affects your grandchildren. And we know that now with this field of epigenetics, how much power we have to create healthier generations with how well we take care of ourselves. So preconception is this first very important trimester where we're simultaneously cleansing and building the body and balancing the hormones and really getting it ready for the journey ahead
1: yeah that's awesome and then so then there's obviously the three trimesters of pregnancy and then also you consider the three months after like most midwives another trimester is that right
2: yeah, exactly. Postpartum is really important. That that phase you're in now, and you know um, more than any of us, right, that if you don't take care of yourself and you don't rebalance your hormones, that it could be a rough road going forward. I've had a lot of clients come to me and say, you know what? I had a baby eight years ago, and I don't know what happened since. I've never been the same since. I can't lose weight, or I haven't recovered my energy. And so we really talk a lot about how to take care of yourself in postpartum, in in the way of balancing your hormones, but also in the the approach. And I'm sure with six kids, you know, you have to really decide how you're going to embrace the it takes a village mentality and how you're going to move forward kind of as a team and as a family and accept help and support. The um, postpartum chapter is very important. And um, we also talk a lot in that chapter about placenta encapsulation.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I know that's a somewhat controversial subject in some places online, but there is some really fascinating both history and now it seems to be emerging research on that.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of research in the last three to five years. so. Yeah, it's a preference, and it's not absolutely necessary, but I will tell you, especially for women in their late 30s and early 40s, and I've worked with so many different women that they didn't do it with their first child, and they did it with their second or third, and that postpartum period for them was like night and day different because you're basically consuming your exact hormonal code so you can rebalance yourself so much faster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I love about your approach, like you mentioned, is you don't let the dad off the hook because I think so many times everything related to pregnancy ends up just falling on the woman. Or sometimes a mom might feel like she's kind of isolated in the pregnancy and she's the one having to make all the sacrifices and, you know, can't drink, can't eat all these different foods. Um, But you really hammer home the importance of, especially preconception, both partners being really involved. So can you talk about why this is so important and why both partners, especially if they're older, need to do a preconception plan and what that actually means? Like what might be some of the practical things they should do?
2: Absolutely. So yeah, it's both parties that are, that are contributing here. And we have a whole dad chapter to mentally prepare him because you're getting ready to raise a child together and to, and to create new life. So you're starting to build that teamwork and your diet and your lifestyle is going to be a huge part of your family. And if you can be on the same page, that's just better for everybody. But the quality of the sperm, especially, you know, in their late thirties, early forties, life happens more stress. We can collect toxicity. And we can have trouble, and we can have we can you know offer not such healthy sperm. So in order to make them stronger and better tails and faster swimmers, and we you know, we have a, a chapter called creating super sperm, and we have you know super sperm smoothies that we really need to to give the dad a big lift and boost to his hormonal balance before he contributes that sperm and to really start to cleanse it, that goes hand in hand with that genetic code you're you're contributing to your child. So in preconception for both parties, we are slowly cleansing them. We're getting them off of things like alcohol. We're cutting back, scaling back on caffeine considerably and definitely on coffee. Sometimes we'll include things like green tea, mate, but then cutting back on sugar and gluten and pasteurized dairy and all these things that really rob our energy. And when they're consumed in abundance, that they can really start to imbalance our hormones. And um, so then we're starting to really build and cleanse. And so the supplements come into play when we talk about supplements for both parties. So, for example, and I know we're going to talk more about supplements as we go through, but we're having dad a couple months before contributing his sperm is he's taking the black type of maca, which is an amazing adaptogenic herb. There's 13 different colors or phenotypes of maca, and the black type will contribute Considerably boost fertility in males, the yellow color considerably boosts fertility in females. And so we're really breaking this off, and both parties are, are doing their part to make sure that when they try to conceive, it can go as smoothly and gracefully as possible. And you feel so much better along the process, which you know you can't underestimate that.
1: Absolutely. And I always try to like, because I know, especially if getting into a healthier lifestyle has been a journey for someone as it was for me, you look back and like, I think, oh, I wish I had known this and this and this before I got pregnant the first time. And I always try to encourage women, don't beat yourself up over what you did not know in the past, because you can make yourself crazy doing that. So I, I always say this is advice for going forward. And there's so much you can do, even if your baby's already born. But it's so fascinating to see all the research that there is available now, like you said about epigenetics and how we can change the expression of genes, um, and, and improve our child literally their whole life by how we eat. And also I think it's interesting to note that since it's been a journey for me and I started kind of with the more conventional approach and like my first child had rice cereal, cause I didn't know any better. But as my health has improved and my nutrition's improved, and especially since I started focusing on building my body up a lot before pregnancy, I've had so much easier pregnancies. Like this time with number six, I had no morning sickness. The pregnancy was so easy that I was almost like, Am I really pregnant? I like I was almost like having them the midwives check a lot because like I don't even feel pregnant. I feel so great. And so I always tell women that too. Not only is it better for the baby, but it really does make it easier on you too. And pregnancy does not have to be a hard thing necessarily, especially if your body's really ready for it.
2: Oh, yes. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. And I totally and completely agree with you. And and it's not all about baby. It's also about mom. And so by strengthening yourself to your point, when you go through pregnancy, the baby's going to take what the baby needs from your body. And whether that leaves you deficient or not, the baby's going to take it because this is how it goes. And so by taking care of yourself, you don't create those deficiencies, you feel better. And you know, you just enjoy the experience a lot more. And like you said, we have a quote in our book from Maya Angelou's, when you know better, you do better. And so it's just day by day and whatever you didn't know before, no problem. But then there's
1: all this information from which to move forward. Absolutely. And another thing I love that you do, um, because you have the clinical focus and you're like me, like I think very numbers oriented and love seeing all this, the stats and the research. And so you do a lot of lab work with people. Um, and I love that cause it's really, it gives you such an insight that you may not know otherwise. So what kind of lab work would you recommend for a couple before trying to conceive, especially maybe if they're having trouble, what kind of lab work can help shed some light?
2: Absolutely. So yeah, the first thing that I would run on a couple would be their food sensitivity panel because we know food can be a form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. So we run an IgG food sensitivity panel to see, okay, which foods are working for you and which foods are your immune system responding to as if that food is not healthy for you. And we eliminate those foods that aren't working for them. And then immediately you get a lift when you start taking out foods that don't work for you and adding in foods that do work. And so the five most common food sensitivities are wheat, dairy, corn, soy, and eggs. So we're really looking out for those to see how people can tolerate those. And, you know, I'm always working to get most of those out anyway, with the exception of eggs, um, pasture-raised eggs. And so we'll run a food sensitivity panel, and it depends if someone has struggled with fertility or not, how far we go with the lab work. But I think it's very important to look at your thyroid and to look at a comprehensive thyroid panel before you start trying to conceive so you know how much work to do on your thyroid. So when I say that, you don't want to just look at TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. You also want to look at your other thyroid hormones, including T4, T3 lets you know, you know, are you able to actually convert thyroid hormone and use it for energy? And then you want to check your immune system to make sure that you're not having an autoimmune response. And so... I know you've talked to Katie a lot about Hashimoto's. So you want to look at thyroid antibodies just to see what you're dealing with, especially if you've been under a lot of stress or you haven't been able to conceive in six months. And so that's the marker you're going to look for is going to be TPO or thyroid peroxidase. You can also run your thyroid globulin to look at antibodies just to make sure your your thyroid is not confused and attacking itself. And so that's really helpful for me to see somebody's hormonal balance because the thyroid is so crucial for ovulation. And we have to be ovulating and we have to be able to track our cycle in order to conceive naturally. So, so that's really important, but then we can go all the way into, you know, looking at heavy metals depends how far somebody wants to go. And we can cleanse someone of heavy metals. We can run, you know, we can run gut panels for people who have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's a really common cause of infertility, and a lot of the mainstream medical doctors will take it as far as that's the cause of their low progesterone, and we know that we need progesterone to improve fertility because it prepares the uterus for implantation, kind of gets it to start thickening, and the idea is you have to dig further than that. Why is your progesterone low? Usually, Eight out of 10 times in my experience, that's because there's pathogenic activity in the gut and you're not able to convert and to use and to to get your your hormone balance. So we're going to do a stool test and we're going to look for different pathogens or things that could be the root cause of hormonal imbalance, which then leads to trouble with fertility. And then the last one that I find very important especially if you've had one or more miscarriages is to check for the MTHFR genetic mutation which tells you can you convert folic acid into folate the usable form and really lets you know like how well you can detoxify or not because if you're if you're not detoxifying properly you're going to have herzheimer 's response, which we call like a ten car pile up on the freeway and that 's not a conducive environment to be able to conceive a child or really to hold a baby and so I really like to bring that one up, um, and I've had a lot of clients that were saved a lot of heartache, future heartache, when they realized they had this genetic mutation and they could change their supplementation, they're able to hold a baby and deliver it to, to full term. So those would kind of be my, my go-tos when I work with someone, and we list them all out in the book of, of how to run your labs and which ones to do first, if that's something you're really looking to, to do before you conceive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would echo that and just encourage women, because I know if you're trying to conceive and you want to have a baby, it's so hard to think of waiting maybe three more months if that's where you are and you just really want to have a baby. But from my own experience, looking back, like I've learned some of these things when I was already pregnant. And not only was it like, man, I wish I had known this before so I could have been in better health, but also when you realize even for your own health, things you can do. But a lot of these gut health things or different different protocols you can't do when you're pregnant. And so if you don't take the time to do it beforehand, not only is it going to benefit your baby if you do, but it's also going to benefit you. And if not, once you conceive, you really have to wait until after pregnancy and a lot of times even after nursing before you can do some of these things. So I think it's like everything that you do in your whole preconception plan is absolutely worth that three extra months just to make sure that the pregnancy is going to be easier on the mom's body and also so much better for the baby as well.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And you can't underestimate just having more energy and vitality throughout your pregnancy. You know, if you have the opportunity, if you have the power, I really encourage you to use it because you'll you'll enjoy that postpartum period, where you'll enjoy it all a lot more. And if you're already pregnant, you just pick up wherever you are. You know, we have people get our book; they pick up a second trimester and they take it through. And that's the beautiful thing about the human body is it it will constantly reorganize itself
1: and respond to these positive directives you give it. Absolutely. Um, So let's go a little bit deeper. What kind of um, diets and supplements do you recommend um, during the preconception period? And um, like, what kind of would that plan look like?
2: So for preconception period, we're definitely making sure. So we kind of have a things to eliminate and things to add in. And we lay out a 12-week action plan where we're trying to crowd out the things that don't work so it's not too, um, too rough of a road. So, for example, we're having people drink lemon water first thing in the morning, such a simple thing to start to really build hydration and flush the intestines, pull excess acid out of the joints. And so they're adding in a lot more Foods that are alkalizing because it's very important to have a good pH environment within the body in order for the sperm to survive when you conceive. And so we're adding in more things like leafy greens and superfoods, you know, lots of different types of superfoods we add in I know you're a huge fan of liver as am I so if we can get our mamas to eat liver um, grass-fed beef liver that's really helpful to build and boost your own liver to help with cellular energy to boost mitochondrial function and if they can't eat liver then hey we have desiccated liver that we can take in pill form no problem I personally can't eat liver so I take it in pill form and um, we're starting to, to really build up the system with a high-quality multivitamin. We want to fill in nutritional deficiencies. And so we are using – we want to start to build up your stores of folate. It's really important to have naturally occurring folate, not folic acid, in a prenatal vitamin. And it should be at least 800 MCGs. You're going to be looking for 18 milligrams of iron in that – And, um, you want to fill in all of those micro micronutrient deficiencies in terms of the mineral component. A lot of us are really mineral deficient. Um, so, so we work with that and then it's going to be really important to start to build up your omega stores and, and your DHA, which is going to be super important when you are pregnant. And ideally, you want to be doing that for at least 30 days before you conceive. The same thing with folate. That's really important for the baby's neural tube to form. And it's really important for the implantation so of the egg. So getting enough fish oil. You know, Katie, I'm sure you knew this, maybe, but there's an eightfold increase in the absorption of fish oil when you take it with fat. Versus if you take it with a meal that doesn't have fat. And so you want to make sure that you're eating consistently, balancing blood sugar, and taking your fish oil. I recommend taking it twice a day. And then we add in um, probiotics, which is going to be a really important important part when we talked about those gut infections and these really good strains of probiotics to start to challenge the bad pathogens so that we can start to get rid of them and then eating fermented foods like sauerkraut and bone broth is probably one of my favorite, most important things in this preconception plan that really moves the needle for both partners and they feel different when they start having about one or even two cups of bone broth daily. And that would be pasture-raised bone broth. We add some collagen to that, which is going to be really helpful. Superfoods. And then... You know, we're removing things. It's really alcohol and caffeine, I think, are the two hardest things for people. I know a lot of your subscribers and readers probably aren't eating much sugar, but that's gonna be number three that we're gonna want to eliminate. And then as you start to learn your food sensitivities, you really want to understand genetically modified foods, especially genetically modified corn, and you want to leave it out of your diet at all costs. You know, don't eat the chips at the Mexican restaurant, there are studies on lab rats of just declining fertility all the way to infertility by third generation when they consume um, genetically modified corn regularly. So, you know, there's things you want to get out, there's things you want to add in. My, um, My other couple of supplements that I find it really important to talk about, as vitamin D3, you want to build those stores before you get pregnant. And I'll say just as a clinician that I've run, you know, at least 800 labs with vitamin D and 80% of my people, even here in sunny Southern California, they come back low in vitamin D. And so we want to make sure that we're building those stores. And there's um, a really good study in the University of Pittsburgh Journal of Nutrition that it's one of the most common problems in pregnancy even when you supplement with it. And so it's important that's another lab that you'd want to run with your doctor to make sure you're in the functional range, which would be between 60 and 100. Your doctor might say, hey, you're at 30, you're fine, but you're really not fine. You want to boost it to to where you're up around 60 because that's going to really reduce your child's risk of type 1 diabetes, of asthma, and just improve your own immune system. System. And then there's two more supplements. We've touched base on maca, which, you know, I really love that. And I've had a lot of success working with women um, to having them take maca, maca because it modulates or balances estrogen in the body when they're too high or when estrogen is too low. Women can have difficulty getting pregnant. And so it's a really nice adaptogen to keep it where it needs to be. Because excess estrogen levels can cause progesterone levels to plummet. And that can be a problem. We know that we really need to make sure we have enough progesterone. And then this is like my superstar supplement. The last one, awesome for both mom and dad. I have had great success, especially with guys, when the infertility or fertility issues um, you know, lie live them, is royal jelly. Have
1: you ever used it, Katie, or heard of it? I've definitely heard of it. I've never um, used it related to pregnancy. But yeah, I've definitely seen some of the research on it, and it's fascinating.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, what what it is, it's, it's actually the queen bee's sole source of nutrition. And, you know, really, many believe it's the primary factor in her longevity and her fertility. You know, the queen bee lives 50 times longer than regular bees, and the queen bee produces about a quarter million eggs a season. And so there's a lot to learn from having this kind of magical substance. And when they studied it in Japan, and there's now the study's been archived in the, the U.S. National Library of Medicine, they did a six-month randomized double blind placebo controlled trial i think it's it, that's a big that's a lot of words but really what that says is we know that this works and it is proven to accelerate the conversion of DHEA which is a major stress sex hormone to other hormones, and so everything about my work is healing from the root cause. I like, I think, hormonal balance begins in the brain, and then if you can really help to restore what's going on in your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland, then your body can start to make the hormones it needs to bring its own balance instead of forcing a hormonal directive on the body. And we talk about precursor hormones. Those precursor hormones are DHEA and pregnenolone. And from those hormones, our sex hormones that we need for fertility and healthy pregnancy can be made. So royal jelly is this awesome substance that you can put in your smoothie or just take a little bit. I mean, I'm talking about a quarter to a half a teaspoon a day. You can just take a little bit and that's going to improve your body's own ability to, you know, DHEA to convert to other hormones.
1: Awesome. I love that whole lineup. And so it sounds like that's pretty much, in my opinion, a lot of the things women should also be doing when they are pregnant. But let's talk about the actual time of pregnancy as well. So once a woman conceives, um, should her nutrition change at that point? Or would she still continue doing these things? And are there changes trimester to trimester? Because I know I see a lot of women and it's really sad. They get pregnant and think it's a license to eat whatever they want. And they're eating for two and they just kind of give in to all the cravings, which I get because the first trimester can be rough with morning sickness. And it, you're lucky if you can eat anything, but there are some really good reasons not to just um, let yourself eat whatever you crave when you're pregnant. So let's talk about that, the the different trimesters of pregnancy and how to support the needs of those different times.
2: Yes, absolutely. So a really good trick for, for to your point of not letting your cravings make you run rampant is that we really need to to increase our protein and have enough high quality protein throughout the day. Roughly about seventy grams of protein. You're getting, that's a nutrient that you want to focus on. So in the first trimester, you really focus on protein. The third trimester, when you know the body weight is growing so quickly, that's when fat becomes the, the superstar uh, macronutrient. So If you can eat protein every two to three hours in the first trimester, that's going to be important because it can't be stored like fat can. So if you can replenish your protein tank, that's going to curb nausea and morning sickness that is happening because you're getting so many hormonal fluctuations. And so the other things that you really want to focus on in the first trimester are going to be naturally occurring folate, foods high in folate, because, again, the neural tube, spinal column, all of that is forming. And so that's when you're going to go and you're going to list out your asparagus and avocados and sunflower seeds, lentils, oranges, spinach, broccoli. You're going to really focus on those foods as well as Kidney support is going to be really important in the first trimester. And so having fresh parsley in your diet, having red bell peppers, that's going to be food as medicine there. And then the other really important thing in this um, first trimester is salt. And enough hydration. And so now the amniotic fluids forming, and it's basically salt water. And you want to make sure you have enough high quality Himalayan pink salt, and that you're consuming at least two liters of water a day. And that's mineralized water, not necessarily reverse osmosis. You want to make sure it has the minerals. And um, I think you, if you focus on those things in the first trimester, It'll go a lot smoother, and um Katie, I know we've had this conversation when we've been together before, but have you seen the new research we We had previously thought that babies were born with sterile guts, but now the new research is showing that they are getting their probiotics In the womb from the placenta, really, from the amniotic fluid, but really, more accurately, the placenta. So it's like if you have, you're taking care of yourself enough there in the first trimester, you're already starting that process to be able to contribute um, the good bugs in the third trimester.
1: Yeah, that's I love all the research about the microbiome and especially all the emerging focus on pregnancy and the birth process. Um, There's a documentary called Microbirth that's really fascinating that delves into how during the actual birthing process, the mom's microbiome transfers to the baby. And of course, now we know it also begins during pregnancy, but there's just so many neat ways that that interaction happens. And so I love that everything that you recommend to women is also supporting mom having healthy gut flora and things like focusing on protein and eliminating sugar and taking natural foods in can also help their finding reduce the risk of group B strep and some things that can cause microbiome problems, especially during delivery. So I love that that focus is there the whole pregnancy. I know so many women end up at 35 weeks and find out they have maybe group B strep and it's a little late at that point to really re- re- like reverse your whole microbiome and fix the problem from the inside out. So I love that you make that a focus the whole time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You want to make that a focus all the whole time so you're not doing damage control afterwards. It's just safeguarding your immune system totally. And so um, we're adding in, you know, a lot of high vitamin D foods as we go through. So if you weren't already having liver, then you're going to be doing liver now as you move forward um, further into the second trimester. And things like maitake mushrooms, goat's milk, if that works for you on your food sensitivity panel. I am a big fan of raw milk. I know it's very controversial, but if you know and trust the source, uh, I think it can be a very supportive pregnancy food. And then, um, in the second trimester, I also really like to focus on, you know, as on the bones and the skin. And so that's when vitamin C and high vitamin C foods really come in things like, Camu Camu. I don't know if you've heard of that. That super berry that you can um, buy the powder in the health food store. And I have my ladies in the second trimester putting that in their smoothie every day. It's 480 milligrams of food-based vitamin C with just one tablespoon. So it's a lot of bang for your buck, you know, when you consider a certain orange would have 88 milligrams. Yeah. And so you want to focus on chlorophyll rich foods Algaes if you can. Put some kelp flakes on your food that's going to be high in iodine and really support the thyroid. Calcium-rich foods like sunflower seeds, different types of legumes if you eat legumes like black beans and garbanzo beans. And then magnesium is really important. The calcium, magnesium, vitamin D trifecta really goes a long way. And this is where we love to add in the the high-quality chocolate, the raw cacao. And things like brown rice and, you know, a lot of nuts and seeds are really magnesium-rich. And then you're really focusing a lot on fat when you move to the third trimester. Not that you're not having it along the way, but, you know, everything is happening so quickly there as you know, more than most and blood volumes doubling, the body weight is, is they're growing so fast. So you just want to make sure you're increasing your omegas and you're having a lot more of that high quality animal fat as you go throughout the third
1: trimester. Yeah. Especially with all the brain development that happens, even they're finding with the research on preterm babies in those last three weeks, they need so many healthy fats for their brain development and such a drastic difference that even, you know, a few extra days in the womb can make for those babies because of all the healthy fats that can get through to them. So absolutely, I agree. And I know you also feel better at the end of pregnancy when you're eating enough fats because they're such dense calorie sources and you have so much nutritional demand on the body that you really need that extra calories. Um, and then obviously at the end of pregnancy, you deliver hopefully a very healthy, happy baby. What's your best advice for postpartum? Because most women think, you know, pregnancy's over and they kind of, even maybe all the great stuff they were doing during pregnancy, they kind of give up at that point even. And postpartum is it's a period in and of itself. And especially if a mom's nursing, it's a time of still increased nutrient demand. So what do you recommend for postpartum? I know we already talked about it a little bit, but what's your best advice there?
2: Yeah, well, um, this is where I do wish that my partner in the book, Willow, um, who's a labor doula and um, a homeopath, was here because she has put together just a rock star um, arsenal of homeopathic remedies for birth and for postpartum. But in terms of your food and your meals, you just really want to make sure that those meals are prepped and they're ready and that you're eating. Because the thing is, is you're probably not sleeping very well and the studies show it takes two years to recover your adrenals on average um, after having a baby so you really need to support yourself with enough vitamin c this is where the maca comes back in so the maca is in preconception and then you take a break during pregnancy and it comes back in at postpartum really important to modulate estrogen because you're getting such a progesterone drop and so This is another reason that I can't suggest highly enough placenta encapsulation so that you don't get that huge. Drop And it doesn't have to be, you know, really kind of wild and barbaric where you're putting, you know, the the image you get when we talk about consuming the placenta, it can just get encapsulated and it's in a bottle and it's just like any other supplement that you take. And it's very natural to to be rebalancing you, but you want to make sure you're eating a meal with protein and healthy fat within one hour of waking to really start to anchor your hormones and retrain your metabolism when you wake in the morning i'm sure you're going to be awake plenty of times throughout the night and everything really still continues you know hopefully you should have had a healthy diet and developed healthy habits all throughout and then you can do other things and supplements can change for to really help with you know milk production and things like that. Do you, do you make, um, lactation cookies? Do people make those for you before you, before you have a
1: baby? I typically do. I make them and then freeze them and also do different kinds of tinctures and just herbal stuff and pre-make even smoothie, um, mixes and different meals and lots of broth and soups. Cause I, f- I really crave those when I'm nursing as well. Um, and just stock up on all that. And I find like I, right now I'm having my husband get it for me so much cause I'm just sitting there nursing most of the day. Um, But it really does help, yeah.
2: It really does help. And you need enough carbs. And remember, we were talking about that. And you just have to make sure you have enough high-quality carbs to keep your energy up. And So this is making sure you're having things like sweet potatoes and the low-glycemic but really high-nutrient types of
1: starches. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but you have an awesome book that includes a lot of what we just talked about in a whole lot more detail as well, as well as walking through the different supplements for different times in the diet. Um, So I'll make sure to link to your book, How to Conceive Naturally, um, in the show notes as well. And I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to share your wealth of knowledge today. And uh, in the next episode, you'll be back and we'll be doing a deep dive into understanding the microbiome, which I mentioned a little bit with the microbirth and the birth transfer. It's an area I absolutely love researching and you do as well. So I can't wait to join you again on the next episode to talk about that.
2: Oh, I love it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Thanks, Krista.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time. Remember to grab a free copy of Krista's Food as Medicine eBook with 180 recipes for gut health by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes for this episode, you can also sign up to receive her free video series about gut health. Until May 30th, you can get 5% off organic pre-made bone broth from The Brothery, Krista and Katie's recommended bone broth resource simply by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash broth and using the code wellnessmama5. Join us next Monday for another great episode of the Healthy Moms podcast. Have a healthy week.